course of the evening, we've seen highlights from eight films nominated for Best Picture. Each is unique in the story being told, each is different in its appeal. But they prove once again that regardless of who you are or where you live, these are films that connect us to one another. Once again, here are the nominees for Best Picture. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, our final category review. That means Oscars week must be just around the corner, which it is after this weekend, after you are hopefully listening to this, and after the BAFTAs, which come this Sunday. Uh, this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar covering the best picture category, and we've teased this guest for a while because it's a big one for us, Michael. Yeah, Eric Weber of AwardsAce.com joins us today. Make him one of your go-to follows on social media, at Eric Weber on Twitter, uh, Eric Weber on Instagram, E-R-I-C-K-W-E-B-E-R, but also make that website a go-to. Yeah. I love this website. It's super easy and accessible to click around. As my brother who works in websites has been lecturing us lately, it's such a good experience. Yeah. And when you go to that website, it's a good experience every time. It's really cool. It's You can get into so many award season websites right now, and it's just bogged down in like a lot of words. Yeah, and for you, sure. Don't like to read because no. you're a lawyer and you probably read too much. I'm done with it. Law the whole practice is over now. You're done with reading. Yeah. So this is this is a beautiful website for you in particular, <laughs> it really is. and we've lo been loving it all along. So we're really excited today because one of our go-to Oscar analysts, the yeah. guy that we talk to a lot on Twitter, and really you know chew the fat with and just hang you know hang out with, chatting with all the time, uh, is going to join us today. Super kind guy, super personable. Has been very nice to us since we've known him. Definitely, uh, we've been looking forward to collaborating with him for some time. Hopefully we'll have him on again in the very near future as well. We have that in the immediate come up right after that section of this episode. As always, Mike and I will give you the traditional category review format for all things Best Picture nominees. If you've not joined us before for a traditional category review, don't worry. We have a full explanation coming up as well as ending the episode with Perfecting Perfection, which we will explain. But as far as right now, Eric Weber from AwardsAce.com joins us to parse through the best picture field. It's been a long time coming, and I don't even yell that much, which is a credit to him. <laughs> no, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. All right, on the line right now, Eric Weber of Awards Ace. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today, bud? You got it, guys. It's been too long. You know, we talked about doing this for months, but now we're finally here. After this, you know, four-month-plus buildup, we finally arrived at Oscars week. It's a long flirtation between us and you. That's all that it was. It was We were playing the long con. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. You know, that's what Twitter's for. It's weird. You know, we talk to each other on Twitter, right? We talk to people and then you finally meet them or you talk to them. You're like, wait, that's not what I thought they'd sound like. Or you meet them in person. You're like, you don't really look like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to finally be talking to you boys. Absolutely. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and yes. for a big episode, too. So we saved you for a big one. And to start things off, I think we got to ask you, and our fans need this. I think Mike and I can use it as well. Sure. You know, mm -hmm. could you give us a quick tutorial uh, on preferential balloting, you know, your understanding of it, how the Academy votes for this best picture? Yeah. So, you know, it, basically what happens is you're going to get your preferential ballot of all nine films mm -hmm. and then the voters, it's all online, right? So they go log in on the website. They, they slot them however they see, like number one, Parasite, number two, 1917, all the way down. Um, at that point, they turn it all over to PWC, Price 
Waterhouse uh, Cooper, right? Mm-hmm. Who still has a job, right? After the uh, the, the, the snafu. Of, That's a of, whole of, other topic, oh my right? God, right? <laughs> they still are employed by the Academy to count the votes. And, um, and you know, so they've got these, they've got the votes, um, and then they start making piles is, is how I understand it. So you're going to start making your piles of everything that was 1917 first here, everything first parasite, these giant piles of things. Then they look at the piles, they look at the votes and say, the one that has the least, you are out, right? So let's just assume, which I think you guys uh, are probably on the same page with me, it's likely Ford versus Ferrari. Right. Okay, so like likely Ford v. Ferrari, that one gets out. But what they do with those votes so it doesn't just disappear, they take whatever was number two. Let's say that in that case it was 1917 for, for a bunch of them. They stick those ni- that ballot on top of the 1917 pile that are already had it in number one yes so now it has number ones and number two votes and then it keeps going till you get to this 50 percent threshold there's a there's a chance it could get to 50 51 right on the first time but i mean come on with nine choices there's not one movie that that was clearly i mean even though i think it's parasite i think mo- there's still some divisiveness with that um mm-hmm. so you're looking at you know uh, it's going to take some time to to slot these things so what you're really looking at essentially at the end of the day which film is the most broadly liked film so I, I guess in, in talking about that magic number, 51%, before we go further down the preferential balloting, uh, the, the how it's going to affect this year's race, mm-hmm. I guess yeah. my first question would be, in your history and your, you know, your years of doing this and covering this and talking to people in the Academy like you have, do you think there has been a magic number since we've turned to 10 nominees? Anyone that's hit that? that that's come, that's actually hit it straight up? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, you know, I think, you know, you look back at, when they did this, it was Dark Knight that yeah. really made them say, hey, we need to make this uh, larger, more inclusive so that we can get some of these films in that maybe aren't going to win. But at least because at the end of the day, right, we're 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 going to re- sort of remember what wins. I mean, I, there's some years I go, wait, what was it? The right. one was it Spotlight or was it, Bur-? you know, <laughs> whatever it is, you forget which one. But in this case. Uh, when you when you look at something like this, I think it's hard. I think it's it's almost I don't say possible, but you know the, statistically it's pretty damn low that you're going to get a fifty percent unless there's one year where some film is clearly the best, everyone loves it, and I think last year for sure, 2019 was not one of those years. It was top to bottom one of the best years in the past decade, if not longer. So um, you know it's going to take some time with this one for sure. So this is a crazy hypothetical, and I think uh, I think I think I love the way Mike put it out here. But maybe you'll go down this rabbit hole with us. Mm-hmm. How do you think after the piles get redistributed? How do you mm-hmm. think like the Ford versus Ferrari pile? Where do you think it mostly goes? Where do you think Little Women mostly goes, or Marriage Story, or JoJo, or Joker, or Irishman? I mean, can, yeah. do you have any convictions on? All right, well. This pile probably mostly goes to 1917, but you know, Parasite's probably getting a lot from JoJo or something. That's that's what exactly. I think when you look at Ford v Ferrari, you know, you hear this dad movie or dad film thing over and over, and I get it. Uh, it's you know, comfort food, easy to digest. Hmm. Uh, almost everybody's gonna like that film. In fact, I don't think I've ever talked to someone who disliked it. Uh, there's varying shape. You know, I never heard anyone say it was their favorite movie of the year. It wasn't my favorite movie of the year, but it's certainly within my top ten, and you know, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So if you if you t- say that that's number nine and it's out, um, you look for a film that's going to be similar, that's going to appeal to an older voter, um, you know, like a 1917, probably not a parasite. 
I would say once upon a time in Hollywood would benefit from Ford v Ferrari being out. Hmm. So so those are two that would probably that I would guess they would go there. Jojo would be a parasite. It's a little more, you know, creative film. It's it's not for everybody. Parasite, even though we'd like to think it's for everybody, it's not. I took my parents the other day to see um, to see it the live score thing they did with Bong and the and the orchestra. It was amazing. Yeah. First time my parents had seen it. But they came out and they said, listen, I loved everything about it but the ending. And I do hear that quite a bit. Me and that your parents the, need to hang out. Yeah, you're an yeah, yeah. old fogey <laughs> brain, Mike. <laughs> see? But you, you didn't like so, the final. And you know, you know what? I'll be honest. When I went to see it again, I saw it back in July. So I said to myself, um, I don't want to see this again. I don't want to see it anytime soon. And when I did, because I loved it so much, I didn't want to go back and kind of try to you know, tear it apart and deconstruct it and all that. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw it the second time, I do remember the same feeling I had from the first time. I didn't quite love the ending, but I, the, the, you know, obviously what brought us to the ending, but I love the very ending, how it wraps the film. So I think it's kind of like one of those things, like sometimes when I evaluate a film, you're on a roller coaster, you're way up, you're down a little, you're back up. And at the end, I was, I was jetting straight up. So you, you leave the theater feeling that way, but my parents were not that way. So you're not alone. I mean, that's the thing about Parasite. It's not universal. It is with film Twitter, but it's not universal, you know, across the board. All right. So you kind of already answered our, our next question, which was what you think is the lowest one on this ballot ranking right now. So I guess other than Ford v. Ferrari, what do you think is going to be the, the first film redistributed? Okay. So I think we, we agree that Ford v. Ferrari is number one. Yeah. I, I it's it this is where it gets tough um you know marriage story is going to be right there i think little women and joker are you know those are the three that i see irishmen those are your next four i don't know how you slot all those because it's so tough when you get down to that range little women could creep i would say little women might be the highest of those if i if i were to slot them marriage story for whatever reason i know we'll talk about this maybe more at length in a bit but it, it just didn't quite catch fire like like netflix hoped i think Across the board, Netflix expected so much more from this. Do you think that has to do with Netflix? Do you think being Netflix is being held against Marriage Story? Because we agree the momentum has kind of fallen off a cliff for that one. Listen, I don't think when I saw Marriage Story, I heard uh, I saw it about two or three weeks after the very first screening of it. So I kind of got away from the hype and I saw it. I was really expecting to be completely blown away by that film. Um, I, I am, you know, I'm a huge Noah fan, uh, going back to squid and the whale. Um, I expect, you know, I'm a, I went through a divorce recently, so I know I have kids. I know everything in that film right. and I expect it to be just drilled, right? Just knocked out. I wasn't, I love the ending. I like parts of it. There's a, there's some issues I have with the film. So I think that the problem with Netflix is I don't think it's necessarily Netflix. They just didn't have that film this year mm-hmm. that everybody loved. The Irishman was an hour too long. You know, they're, they're, as far as I'm concerned, that's already that, out. Yeah, yeah uh, the, the best movie for me that Netflix put out this year was The Two Popes, by far. That's my favorite of their films. Um, and it, you see it get nominations. You, you, um, listen, I'm very happy to see Price, um, obviously Hopkins. Those, are, those two are so strong in that film. Mm-hmm. But the, the movie itself, you know, I, they didn't put their chips on that. They put their chips all on the Irishman and marriage story. They said, we're going to ride these two, and it didn't happen. I don't know if that's because it's Netflix. I think it's more for me when I look at it from the outside. I think it's more a case of the movies just weren't as great as they expected them to be. 
So I'm wondering how you thought the calendar played a factor here. Like Netflix had that rollout where it was one week after the next, kind of end of November Mm -hmm. into December. You know, Little Women in 1917. These were late breakers, at least to the general public. So Mm -hmm. what do you think about the correlation between Best Picture and and release dates? They could come anywhere in the calendar. We've seen it happen before from Silence of the Lambs all the way to The Hurt Locker. But uh, what do you think it meant this year? We, you know, you look at the films, almost everything was, was end of the year. Um, you know, even Joker was, was November, well, actually October. Uh, we saw it end of September. Um, I think that some films missed. I will start with this. Some films missed their dates. Uh, a great example is Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. Rocket Man was completely blown by Paramount. They should have. That's a poor choice of words. (laughs) (laughs) You were going to let it slide. (laughs) But, you know, here's the thing. That movie, if you put that movie out in October, November, right? If Mm. you put that out, you're talking about a multiple Oscar nominee. Not one or two, not song, not this or that. It's going to be multiple nominees because that movie was very strong. The problem is it came out in May. You know, May, June, that's too early. People forget about it. They tried to bring it back into award season, have parties. They brought Elton John out. Taryn did a whole bunch of stuff. I went to, you know, two or three of them. But it just didn't work because it lost the zeitgeist. Uh And if you lose that, it's very hard to rebuild that when other films are already coming in. We're new, we're cool, we're fresh. And then people go, Rocket Man, that's last year almost, right? So they, they really messed that up. So Paramount just didn't do that one any justice at all and the other one's bombshell bombshell Hmm. even though it came out at christmas they debuted that in october here in la with the screening and then multiple screenings that whole week i i think it had something to do with the fact they could get the cast all together to do the q a's because they're all doing different things but it did a disservice to the film because the buzz was really strong in mid-october yeah. Let me tell you guys, you don't want to have buzz really strong in mid-October. You <laughs> want it in mid-November into December. And that's exactly what 1917 did. Debuted late November, and then it carries its surge that that everybody's like, wow, did you see 1917? Into the box office, which it's now over $100 million. So Universal, even though it's last into the game, Universal killed that release date. They absolutely hit it, home run on that because it was you know it just carried through so it's a case study and it does matter when the film comes out because you have to carry that momentum throughout the award season it's a long process and some films didn't get it right this year and some did like 1917. so the obvious follow-up question is about box office because little women seem to really do well with the box office 1917 earned itself that big window at the beginning of january once it went wide i gotta mm-hmm. think rocket man would have crushed cats or i mean because people mm-hmm. want to go see that that musical during their holiday the break Titan that was cats totally know? do you think yeah. we're gonna get like five <laughs> you know more big oscar films next year at that at this time and we're gonna get even more pushback towards the uh, the late fall after this year yeah i i think the studios will be constantly adjusting that mm. but but if 1917 goes on to win and right now we'll talk about it shortly it looks like it will. Um, if it does go on to win, then that's going to be Hollywood loves nothing more than to ape something that's been successful before. Let's do this exactly like this and we'll follow the blueprint. It'll be the same thing. So I think Netflix is learning that about The Irishman, certainly about Marriage Story, all their films. They, they put them out just a little bit too early. I think this whole we've got to get the film to Toronto 
in, in, in all that. I don't think that's as important as, as the studios think it is. I, I think you can, Bombshell didn't do that. 1917 didn't do that. Now, granted, Bombshell didn't get anything, but they still, they messed that date up. But right. I don't think you need to go to Toronto and Venice and all that. It's cool if you do. It helped Joker out, I mean, certainly. But I think if Joker comes out in November, people are still going to love it as much. The movie's the same. So I, I just don't think there's that emphasis needs to be put on we have to get this into toronto or there's no chance at the oscars i think that's a bunch of bs it's going to be interesting to see how the academy and the film festivals kind of play this dance now that streaming is so huge i know it's been the war there has been going on in and of itself for the last couple of years but it's going to be see, interesting to see how they play off each other going forward vis-a-vis you know release dates and box office and all that stuff you just touched on you've mentioned a couple times how marriage story has kind of fallen off a cliff and, mm-hmm. and you know it, it looks now like the only thing it's kind of sure to win is that Laura Dern supporting actress, even though it's got five other nominations on the night for something like marriage story, what constitutes a great night for it at the Oscars? Obviously it's probably doesn't have a chance at best picture, but what would, what could make, what could happen on Oscars night that can make Netflix say, you know what, this movie was a success. It's at least speaking in terms of awards. Well, screenplay is number one, right? Original screenplay. Yeah. Um, but, but it's got to deal with in WGA Saturday night, um, that's it, it's Parasite versus Marriage Story for that because as you know Once is not in that mix mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Quentin's not a member of the WGA so Oscar night it's probably it's going to be Once versus Parasite versus Marriage Story if Marriage Story can get a win at WGA then we're talking about something you know different there but um, I would say that's the next best thing that can happen because Dern's a shoo-in because the only competition that I ever saw for her was was j-lo and that was one of the biggest snubs of the of the year i mean that's a really bad miss um so so when she's out if you get rid of that it's kind of like documentary you get rid of apollo 11 and and you take out one of the best of the year in any category and it makes it so much easier for whoever number two was or if it was one they get rid of their number two whatever it is you get rid of that person you extract them from the equation then it's a lot easier to win so Dern's going to win supporting and that looks like that's all marriage story is going to get and i think it just comes back to the fact that we talked about for me a lot of people i'm not alone it just didn't quite nail what I thought it would. I thought there were some moments in that film that didn't work for me. I thought there was a little too much loosey goosey comedy when it could have been, I understand you want to have some part of, you know, obviously laughing. I just felt it could have been a little more dire almost. Um, you know, uh, you know, that's the cinephile in me. I, I love a movie that is down. I will, I will, I will go for a down movie. That's probably why I love Parasite, right? I, I will love a movie where, where it ends horribly because if, especially if it rings true, I think, and I think with Marriage Story, um, even though the ending's just beautiful, and I think the way that it weaves itself is very good, I just think it's had some weaknesses. So, yeah, it's one of those films that you know we all thought would be right there, and it's just not. So if you like a down ending, you'll love the Caging Skies book that Jojo Rabbit is based on, by the way. But uh, So to talk about Jojo Rabbit for a second, because I think this is an interesting nexus between everything we're talking about now. You know, Jojo Rabbit had an early surge at TIFF, right? It, but it really didn't uh, factor into its box office. It didn't have the big opening. I don't know if Disney was pushing it or not. Then it has like an editing win after a, some solid nominations at, at the Oscars there. And as the editing win at the Ace Eddies, and we think it's, you know, ready for another surge, but it doesn't really do anything at SAG with, with Scarlett Joe making an upset or nothing. It, it, every time it looks like it's surging, it doesn't happen. Do you think JoJo Rabbit 
could possibly be a more palatable pick for that edgy movie voter at the Oscars, like Parasite, like uh, like uh, Joker. Joker, thank you. Is is it like atop that list? Is it the compromise pick of those, or is it just going to be like the sixth one out? Listen, I think that it is. Uh, it's there. Um, when you talk back to preferential ballot, right? Mm-hmm. I think that it will be somewhere in the middle. I, I didn't hear a lot of people say that's my number one film. They liked it, like myself, but they didn't love it to the point where it's going to be a one, two, three. It might be a four, five, six, and and that's not. It could. It's, see, that goes both ways, right? It could help it because it's not going to be low on everybody's ballot, mm-hmm. but it, it might not be at the very top, and it shouldn't be too far. I don't think it's going to be at the top or bottom it's gonna be somewhere in the middle so um jojo's a wild card man i'll tell you i look at like even screenplay (laughs) we'll see what happens you know at wga it's a wild card could it win that sure um it could win costume um you know (laughs) you look at those things and you know it's little women it's that it's once upon a time in hollywood for costume (laughs) that one's kind of a toss toss up take your pick um i think that it could it either is going to be a really good night for jojo uh, or a pretty pretty low night. I, I would I would bet if I had to put money on it that it's going to be on the low end of it. But uh, if it weren't, if it was the other way around and it ends up being you know the, one of the big winners, I wouldn't be. Oh my God, none of us saw it coming. Of course, it's there. And you said it, it goes back to TIFF. It did well there. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, JoJo's the wild card, no question. Hmm. So just to kind of put a bow on these last six before we pivot and I start yelling all sorts of obscenities at <laughs> no. both of you, uh, we talk about the big three. So if yeah. you're the if it's the Academy of Weber, right? If you're the Academy of One, uh-huh. you just have to yep. pick one of your favorite of the lower six. We'll call them Four V Ferrari, JoJo Rabbit, The Irishman, Little yep. Woman, Joker, Marriage Story. Which was just your favorite of those six on the year? Uh, I'm gonna say Little Women. Yeah, it, cool. with an edge over Joker. I, but I, I like Joker, what, the dariness of it, right? That when I came out of that, I, said, I can't believe Warner Brothers let Phillips make that movie. I mean, right. the way he did, I just can't, the scissors scene, right? You just go, I can't believe they did this. And that's cool. I like when you take a chance and go for it. So I like that. I admire it for that. But I, I really loved Little Women, how it made me feel, right? It's just a, mm-hmm. it's just one of those movies that just you feel good all over when you walk out. Like, you know, ah. And, and I think that will resonate. So, again, maybe that's a movie that, that kind of surges up, Little Women. But of those movies, I would say Little Women's my my top of, of those, uh, you know, six. It also makes that Florence Pugh uh, interview that you eventually get soon, I'm sure, much more <laughs> high tension, right? I mean, the, the the looks that she gave in that movie, my God, if a woman ever looked at me like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got to get into some if-then scenarios about the BAFTAs. Yep. We'll do a little BAFTA segment here because yep. I, think, uh, I think there's some intriguing things that they can do across the pond. Let's start with the two long shots. We got the Irishman and the Joker, I think. Those are the long shots, or, or do you disagree on that? Um, I don't know if Joker is because you know Joker has the most Baftas, right? So I, right. I, I nominations. I mean, I, listen, it, who knows what the Brits are going to do? We know this. I, <laughs> I believe the stat is now. You listen. I will be honest with you. I am a feel guy. I, I kind of put my finger in the wind and go, listen. And this is what I think. I, I feel from talking to people. From the, I don't rely so much on stats, but I do know that Baftas at least zero for five. Um, for the last five as far as picking best picture. Mm-hmm. So whatever wins BAFTA is not necessarily, hey, well, boom, it's going to go. Will it hurt 
you know, a film like, and we're going to talk about it once upon a time in Hollywood. No, it won't. It will obviously be huge because voting goes through Tuesday for the Oscars. So that gives it that kind of like, Hey, we're in the news cycle. Look what one BAFTAs once upon a time, once upon a time in Hollywood, that, uh, that's a, that's huge. Uh, when, when people are sitting down and still casting their ballots and maybe waiting till the last minute. So it is important, but I don't think whatever wins will be, you know, hey, this is what's going to win Best Picture. I, I just think, this, you know, if being a non-stat guy going 0 for 5, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't perfectly match up. Hmm. So to, to talk about what's going to happen at BAFTAs in terms of those big three, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Parasite in 1917, which is obviously the front runner. I mean, we know 1917, we, Mike and I have been calling it like a home game for it over there at the BAFTAs. Yeah. In your opinion, mm-hmm. what... I guess who, which of those three needs the win the most at the BAFTAs, and then which of those three kind of gets hurt the most in their campaign, if even though possible, there's not right. a direct correlation. But which yeah. one, which of those three needs it the most, and which gets hurt by not winning the most if they're if it's a different. Uh, I, okay, I, I will I will say the one that needs it is clearly the Irishman. I mean, the Irishman's so far back we don't even talk about it anymore, right? Mm-hmm. We just go, hey, that's so far down the line that it's not even in the best picture. As I tweeted out, you know, a few days ago, if you would have told me back in you know, October that the Irishman wouldn't be right there for best picture. See, you're crazy. You're nuts because right. it's, that is, that should be right there. Um, and, and given Netflix, obviously the money they're spending on that film, but it just didn't connect. So I would say Irishman is, is, and once upon a time in Hollywood, those are your two that really need to win. I mean, we expect 1917 to win. Right. Um, but, and if it's parasite, that'll obviously be great for that film too. But I think it's, it's clearly, because if you look at the films that need to have some relevance, it would be Once Upon a Time and The Irishman. Why isn't Parasite being taken seriously as a threat at the Baptist? It seems like second place at the Baptist. Everyone's saying, well, it might, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood could upset, but it's going to be mm-hmm. 1917. I don't feel like anyone's really giving Parasite a chance there. That's kind of the way it's gone the whole time, right? I mean, it's kind of, you know, we, we think it's this cinephilic uh, film Twitter thing, and it is. But the people who love it, like actors, you know, SAG, obviously winning ensembles, mm-hmm. like, whoa, uh, people love this film. When I saw this live the screen, you know, orchestra, or live orchestra, uh, you know, scoring the other night, they sold out 1,600 seats, you know, and those seats were like 40, 50, 60 bucks. I think the lowest was 40. So you're talking, I mean, that's a phenomenon, right? Yeah. That, as one of the neon folks told me, it's a beast. I mean, this film has come and just, just feasted on things. So I think, you know, downplaying it as it's not going to happen. And that's, you know, that's parasites proven over and over that it can, and it will overcome, you know, people thinking it has no shot. And I guess the, I guess the, to wrap up this BAFTA segment, so nineteen seventeen probably wins. I mean, how how do you handicap nineteen seventeen over there? And it, and I guess you said it doesn't hurt it the most. So if it doesn't win, is it still in the catbird seat for uh, for the Oscar? Yeah, I I think that again back to the stats, not being a stat guy, but it, it just it doesn't have to happen. It's not right. a nest. It's not a necessity that it wins to win Oscar. It obviously will help. Anything helps at this point when you're talking about the final days of Oscar voting on Tuesday. Um, you know, you'll have two full days of news cycles. Certainly, Sunday will be all about um, you know what happened at BAFTA. So all that stuff is hugely important when it comes to people who wait till last minute, which is a lot of voters. They want to wait to that and just really digest everything and say, here's what I'm picking. But I would say that 1917 should win. Um, I think its chances are extremely high that it does win. 
and and then goes on to right now looking like the best picture favorite at the Oscars. Wow, this this went by so fast, Mike. I mean, this was a great uh, recording session here, a great uh, interview. I, I'm sad to say it went by so fast because we've got two final questions here, and that's it. Uh, I have to ask this. We, we asked all our, our guests, what yep. are your snubs on the year in this Best Picture category or just movies that you think were uh, – were underappreciated at the Oscars oh. in general. Oh, you you know my number one. If you follow me on Twitter, you know damn well what my number one is. Ad Astra. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you were going to uh, say yeah. the Christmas one. <laughs> last Christmas. Yeah, last. Christmas. Yes, yes, last Christmas for Oscars. No, I, I, you know, I got. I love George Michael. I am not going to lie to you. I, I think. Listen, I have his best of CD around here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I it, that movie is not great by any means, but Amelia Clark's amazing. And there's all kinds of George Michael songs. So yes, I am a stand for that film. But, I almost bought it before recording today. Cause it just came out on VOD. Like I didn't have oh, access to it. I almost just did it. Like just to tell, you were so kindred just to say I did, but no, I didn't go that. that no, place. listen, they, they sent a screener. I think I showed yeah. They sent a screen, like a universal sent a screener. What in the hell? It's the first screener I've ever seen for a film that has no quotes right every, every single use one of mine i would have put mine up there ward's ace you know last christmas for oscars i mean what come on give me some publicity but no it's that was a really left field uh, screener entry but yeah i'd say you know ad astra by far i mean that is that is a movie of just gorgeous artistry yeah. and when you look at it um, you know, I understand it's slow. I get it. Some people don't enjoy that. And, and we talked a little bit when we were off air here about Gretel and Hansel, the new movie. Same kind of thing. Its artistry is just so high. And so it looks like a, it, every frame, everything in that film should be hung on a wall at an art museum. I love that about Ad Astra. I think Brad Pitt is, listen, when he wins for Best Supporting, which he will, mm-hmm. I am going to assume <laughs> that it's also for his work in Ad Astra because wow. that's how he was so strong in that um, I think that's right up there. Waves was a movie that I understand how some people didn't like. You know, it's two movies without giving it away if you haven't seen Waves. Um, I know A24 really had high hopes for that film. It just couldn't break in. It was a bad year to be a small film yeah. because films like Waves, I loved Loose. Um, these are never going to get a nomination when you have all these behemoths and Netflix pouring billions of dollars into their promo push for the Oscars. But those are some of the movies that come you know, straight to mind. Uh, Ad Astra would be number one. I think Loose is up there as far as my top films. And certainly uh, Apollo 11 and Documentary is a total joke that it wasn't included. That's They don't know what they're doing. The Doc Nominating Committee has no clue. And I got to tell you, Ad Astra is a hell of a pick because it's Mike and I's number one episode of all time. And I think it, that's the case because we're like so passionate for mm-hmm. what we like about the movie. And then we mm-hmm. we get a little upset we lose our minds a little bit about some of the things we didn't like about the plot, but then yeah. we're passionate yep. again about Pitt, well, who's yep. just in general, well, but then also, you know, in terms of his performance, obviously, it's it's one of those movies, man. That that's a movie. That movie gets a reaction out of yeah. us, and uh, yeah, I agree. That's interesting. Well, but yeah, listen, what's crazy is is I'm not a huge Gravity guy. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. think it's a fine movie. I I actually didn't I didn't think the emotional stakes were anything for me. I didn't, and it's fine. But the fact that it won seven Oscars and a movie like Ad Astra, which is legitimately as beautifully shot as anything that I've seen in the past however many years, mm-hmm. it's going to get end up with likely zero Oscars. That's criminal. 
You know, that's that's Great the kind point. of stuff that makes you angry. You yeah. go, what the hell? What are you guys doing? Like this is this movie deserves recognition. And that's one of the things that when I set out to do this and, and talk about Oscar talking about this, is to do that. Right. Shine a light on these yeah. films yeah. That, that deserve it. And it's like and, and call attention to the snubs that are like, what the heck are you Definitely. guys doing? Is it a Fox search like uh, casualty, do you think? I think it's, I think it's, it was a Fox, right? So it was a Fox film, but here's the, but you know, same thing. I think that it was, yeah, I, to my knowledge, they did not send screeners. Okay. Wow. That, I mean, which is insane, right? I didn't get one. That's Disney, right? I, I, they totally said, we're not going to push this. If they would have, I'm not suggesting it would have been best picture, but they didn't even try. And I think when you look at, you know, at least putting some effort into it, another one that is baffling to me, I loved Endgame. You talk about a snub. Endgame to me is one of my top five movies. I love the emotional stakes in it. Mm -hmm. I know it's long, but I had no problem. Everything, I'm not even like a comic book kind of guy. Like, you know, like, oh, I live and breathe for everything that comes out that's, you know, uh, that is from the, you know, MCU. I don't even think about that. I just like, I judge it as a movie. I loved it. But Disney just couldn't get any traction on that film. So, you know, the studio has to be fully behind it. The stars have to work with it. It's a huge process, and it's all collaborative. And if it isn't working, then it just, as you see, it just ends up being a snub or just completely forgotten because you have to put some effort into trying to get a nomination. Yeah, I think Mike uh, might have lied to you a little bit ago because, like, our two questions are going to turn into 20. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you, you mentioned Waves and A24, and obviously yeah. A24 is having a couple years in a row now where they're kind of being shut out of the Oscars conversation kind of in mass. I know you're on mm-hmm. the record talking to us and saying that they had a, a switch at their one of their head levels as far as their marketing goes, and that's why kind of Tony Collette fell by the wayside. Have yep. they straightened themselves out, do you think? has their, Have their streamlined process improved, or are they still kind of grasping at straws when it comes to competing for Oscars? Listen, you know, we talked about box office being a big component. So, you know, Waves, the fact that it totally crashed, it did mm. not do any number, you know, at the box office, that doesn't help. But also, most of their films are not for everybody, right? They're just not, like The Lighthouse. There's people that love The Lighthouse. I'm not a huge fan of The Lighthouse. Mm. It's not a universal film, like we can talk all day about Ford v Ferrari and dad film and all that crap, but it's at least it's a universal um, little women, same thing that the average moviegoer is gonna walk in and go, I love this film. And listen, there's a lot of average moviegoers in the Academy. So when you give them a movie like Lighthouse, they're not, I hear people say it's gonna get best picture. Like, what are you talking about? You have to understand (laughs) That you and your tastes are not the same as, you know, the average movie viewer. It's just they're disparate. They're, it's, they're not even close. And I think A24, that's, that's them in a nutshell. You know, their movies are not for everyone. The people that love them are hugely, you know, behind them. They're just, you know, we are going to celebrate this film. Every film, no matter what, it's got an A24 logo slapped in front of it. But but you know, the, conversely, the people who don't like it are like, "What? What? Do you, I don't even understand why you like this film." It's you know, it's this, this, and this. So I think that's they're they're extremely polarizing. And when you talk about uh, a polarizing film, that's usually a recipe for um, very little award success because you need to have a, a you know universally loved film. And that's what we talked about preferential ballot. Getting back to that is you're looking for the most widely liked film. That's never going to be an A24 movie. I mean, I guess, I mean, we can't say we Moonlight. <laughs> Maybe. We ended up right. doing that. Yeah, okay. Right. But, 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 okay. So, okay. But, it, but 
for some for almost every one of the if you tell me an A twenty four film, I could I could easily tell you what the problems are with it as far as digestion by a mainstream audience. So that's a big part of it. I think they're trying. I think they know what they're they're doing their best, but they don't have the product. I think the farewell was their best play this year. The riches are in the niches, almost. I heard that on Chris Gore's film mm-hmm. threat recently. Uh, he was interviewing, I guess, and uh, they're probably going for that, which is cool. I mean, they're a cool ass studio. They they hit with us a lot. Yeah, I mean, certainly. But but if if the game is placating the Academy, right, and making the most yeah. digestible film, and here's where I can uh-huh. start yelling. Yeah. What went it. wrong with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Why why isn't that being? I mean, is it are people? You talk to Academy members, obviously. You have firsthand knowledge, so I'm asking, like, what is the biggest red flag? with this is it just that parasite in 1917 or that much more beloved or is there still a grudge against tarantino out there what what went wrong with this movie there's some there's some (laughs) of that but i think no i think the number one problem once has is that it was released early remember that was a july date right was it not late july early august um so that is way early so the fact I everyone thought it was dead. I mean, there were people who said there's no way it can get nominated for Best Picture. So Sony, to their credit, still pushed. Obviously, they had their stars on board. They did events. They did all these Q and As that helped bring it back in. The difference between Rocket Man and Once is that uh, Once has more box office, but but also that it's still closer to the window, right? So you're looking at August, September versus May, June. Mm. So the further you get out of that window, I think the harder it is to bring things into the actual window. And I, and I think Once, that's the problem with Once. It was too early. If that comes out in November, uh, it might not have the box office success because it did big numbers this yeah, summer. It was really sure. good for that. So Sony's not going to complain about that. But I think that if it were released in November, it might be the the favorite. Uh, but it also is not. Let's let's also talk about how it's not the most diverse of films, that right? Is I mean, it's for sure. It, that's a that's a big component of film of of winning these days. I mean, Parasite certainly has that going for it. Uh, 1917, not so much, but but it's it's a universally liked film. I think that if you again, if you take once and put it in November, uh, you might be looking at a you. I think you're you're looking at a better shot of winning. Does it win? I don't I don't I don't know if it does, but I think you have a better shot. Does Tarantino hurt himself at this point as far as the original screenplay category goes by still being excluded from the WGAs, or do you think he still has the best shot at winning that Oscar? I still have him right there uh, for one. It's either going to be, for me, it's always been Once versus Parasite there. Mm-hmm. It's always been those two. You saw it at Critics' Choice. You saw it at uh, at the Globes. Mm-hmm. You saw you saw all this back and forth. It, it just turns out that it Once is end up winning. So I think it continues there. But again, Parasite's up for six Oscars. We could be looking at, uh, listen, if it wins, it's going to win international. So if mm-hmm. it takes that, that's one. If it wins anything else, that's just great. I mean, Neon's going to be – they're going to be over the moon. They already are, obviously. The movie's uh, – what is it? 120, world, 120 million worldwide, I think. Wow, I think it's, like it's that, a yeah. huge number, right, for, for a small film. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I think that Parasite could end up uh, winning more than, than a couple – at least winning more than International. There's a shot. So you ask me right now who's going to win um, screenplay original. I'm going to say once, but I would say it would not shock me in the least to see Parasite pull that off. We, we've talked here. There's 
like 1917 has that hair and makeup nomination, right? That kind of seems like it's just being nominated there because of the strength of its film as opposed to it being on the merits of the hair and makeup done in 1917. Because there was dust, mm-hmm. but I don't see that. <laughs> right. We're trying to figure out where, where the hell the hair where, and makeup what is. What else is the makeup? Because they're all right. covered by helmets. But <laughs> what what win, if you can like pinpoint one, what's going to mm-hmm. be the biggest indicator, lowest on the card or earliest in the night to you mm-hmm. that could yep. happen, that could signify what's going to what's to come for Best Picture? You always look at editing. You always look at film editing, and and those two things almost always go hand in hand. So so when you say this is going to win film editing, then that points to obviously screenplay too. But editing is going to be you know fairly early in the night. I think the sound categories are you know they're here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you look at film editing, that's that's where it is. But here's the here's the issue. 1917 wasn't nominated, so <laughs> so you're like, wait a second. That's the thing about this year. I don't think we do look at stats. I just, it just feels like it's a really good year to just kind of feel things. And and for me, that's it's perfect because I think I really, I think I felt this parasite surge coming. Um, you know, even before all the success, I go, this is this is a phenomenon, right? This is we talked about a movie that has really captured the attention and the zeitgeist. And, and there's there's a lot to that. There's there's a lot of power in that. And I think that when you look at a, a year like this, it it wouldn't shock me to see Parasite win Best Picture. I, I think it's between that once on the lower level on the outside, right outside lane and then 1917. Right now, all signs point to 1917, but I would love nothing more. I know you wouldn't love it as much, <laughs> but to see Parasite win this thing, because in my estimation, it's the best movie. It was the most daring movie and the most original movie that I saw uh, in 2019. And for me, I love to see films rewarded that take those chances that are different, that are things we haven't seen before, and go places you had no idea where they are going to go, whether you liked it or not. And I understand why some didn't. But I hope that it ends up – if it does win, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, and this is not to brag, but I will be at Neon's after party. Nice. I am going to – I will, <laughs> that will be the epicenter of Hollywood. If it wins Best Picture at that after party, pretty much everybody in town is going to swing by. So oh, I'm pretty much talking couch. to a, a bought I, man already. <laughs> I just, just. I am going to be sitting on the couch just waiting for the next celebrity to walk in, just watching people come into the room. Tag so Mike, yes, that's gonna be tag a fun Mike night. in every single photo. Please, yeah, please, uh, please. I'm please. just going to be blowing up your DMs. All right, second to last question here, Eric. Yep. How much money do I have to give you to keep saying Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to to win for the next week it's gonna take a lot they, it's gonna take, listen you're gonna have to, to go out and have leo and brad show up on doorsteps ring the doorbell oh, and say hey oh, pleasure geez. to meet you <laughs> <laughs> would you please vote for our film and you've got old-fashioned politics politicians that go door to door right and they, and that's what you that's what's gonna take i'm not tarantino he needs to stay home and he needs to send <laughs> a bit and and leo out and and you know for the guys Margot. And then get them to to you know to get excited about this movie again. The biggest thing that it has going against it, it was too early in the calendar. And I think that it, it's uh, you know other than the fact that it isn't the most diverse movie, I think that that's the problem. Uh, if it had been a November December release, I, it would be closer. 
again, but I think we'd still be looking at the same three, but we would be looking at uh, a closer race than it is. Because right now, I would say 17-1, uh, Parasite 2, and when one said third, but there's a big gap between two and three. You know, so that's that's the thing. So I don't I don't know what it takes other than that. Other than door-to-door, you know, handshaking, I don't think it's going to happen. Get Brad Pitt selling Girl Scout cookies. That's, <laughs> let's see, we got a week to pull I this will off. go. Listen, I, he's the one guy I've never met. I've met a lot of celebrities. Hey, good to meet you. Talk to him. Right. You know, they're, they're wonderful people. I've never met him. And if I do, I promise you, it will not be talking about Once Upon a Time. We will discuss Ad Astra. <laughs> and he will go, get this guy away from me. I did that movie. I want to forget. No, Brad, it was the best. Coming up scene, when you're in the rocket ship and the baboon comes up and bites the guy's face off, what was that like? Was that scary? Just freak him out. That's what I'm going to do if I see him on Sunday night at the neon party. I love it. So you, you, we'll give you the last word here. We can't Again, this has been awesome, and it's everything we could have hoped for. We thank you, thank uh, you. so much for giving us a party or not. But you've kind of hinted. You obviously have the one and two. You have one in your heart, and sounds like one in your brain. Give yep. us a prediction here, an official prediction. One, what happens at BAFTA for best film, and then two, mm-hmm. obviously, what you predict to win best picture if you can. BAFTA, nineteen seventeen. Okay. I think that's a really good shot of that happening. So we'll take that, and then we'll do the same for the Oscars. Put nineteen seventeen yeah. there, but Parasite extremely close, closer than a lot of people think. And I think that SAG ensemble win is what points to me saying that could happen is that there are a ton of actors, obviously, in the Academy mm-hmm. and they make up the majority of the voters. So that when you talk about the majority of the voters that love a movie and they do and it wins ensemble at SAG, which are all actors, then you are talking about a possible best picture. So I hope it happens. I, I my my head tells me that's going to be 1917. But obviously you hear the heart says Parasite. Eric, we can't thank you enough, man. This was great. We got to have you back sometime. Eric Weber, awardsace.com. Thank you so much, buddy, for doing this with us. Thank you. You got it, boys. Talk soon. Sounds good. All right, our thanks to Eric Weber. We will once again give you all his contacts and his socials at the end of this episode, as we did at the top of the show. Mike, that is our last guest for the category reviews as we pivot towards Oscars week, which will be coming after this weekend, obviously. But right before then, before we say goodbye today, let's do the traditional category review format one last time for you guys talking about the best picture field. Now, we're doing it a little different today. Instead of going through each and every individual best picture nominee, since, like, we kind of already talked about with Eric. There's only three that really have a chance at winning Best Picture. Uh, The other six are nice. You can ridicule (laughs) us profusely on film Twitter if uh, we don't cover the eventual Best Picture winner. Right. I I think that's fair. So we're taking the top three, and we're going to talk about reasons why each of those three movies will and will not win Best Picture. I don't think anybody wants to sit here and listen to me pontificate more absurd conspiracy theories about how Ford v. Ferrari ends up walking away with the gold. Maybe you do. If you do, I'm sorry. We drew a line. (laughs) We finally drew a line. But yeah, we talked about it with Eric, so... (laughs) So that is our traditional category review format. That is what we will be doing for the rest of this episode. We will end it by doing Perfecting Perfection one last time for you guys. If you don't know what that is, stay tuned. We'll have an explanation. Mike, Michael, let's start by talking about uh, answering a question asked of us by one of our listeners, which we appreciate. And by the way, if you ever ask us a question and we can work it in, we will. And we did here. And Jill at right underscore writer, R-I-G-H-T underscore writer, and then another underscore there, Michael. She said, hey, at 
MM Oscar, which is our Twitter handle. Sure is. Do you know if there are any stats out there about if slash how the rating, i.e. PG, PG-13 are, affects a movie's best picture chances? Just something I was thinking about today. Well, it made me think about it, and then I couldn't stop thinking about it, and I had to answer it, and I had to do the count, you know, the count game there on Wikipedia. So, since 1969, 28 best pictures were rated R, Michael. PG-13 was instituted in the rating system in 1984, so since then, 11 best picture winners were PG-13, and two were pg so from 84 to 69, before PG-13 was instituted, seven were PG. I guess some of those were PG-13, my, mm-hmm. is my guess, obviously. Right. Uh, plus one was GP, General Penis. I don't know what that <laughs> stood for. Yeah, uh, which right was turn. later you know, named PG there. And PG was probably bumped up to PG-13. Again, you know, th- these things were shuffled around there. So I have to get into the totals. From 2018 all the way back to 1969, 49 best pictures in total, best picture winners, that is. 28 were rated R. PG-13 has 11, and PG slash general penis, 10. Got to come up with a better word for that. So it's terrible. pretty split. Four-sevenths compared to three-sevenths. A little more than half the time it goes R, a little less than half the time it's less than R. I would have guessed, though, we would have had more PG-13 winners in there. I would have guessed we would have more PG, PG-13s than R. I, well, I wonder how many of those R movies prior to 1984, like you say, would have been reclassified as PG-13 once, once PG-13 well, became a thing. We can go through those, Mike, because we got <laughs> The Godfather Part Two, One Flew Over Cuc- the Cuckoo's Nest, Godfather 1, and The French Connection are the obvious ones in one decade. French Connection probably would have been PG-13. Midnight, yeah, Midnight Cowboy is that really... That wouldn't have been PG-13. <laughs> That's the only one in the 60s to 70 range. So, yeah, I would I would have figured the Academy went for a lot of PG movies almost across the board, but it did in the old old timey days. I mean, recently a lot of rated R movies. Could be also why it's tough for the Academy to get teenagers and young kids interested in what they do because there's that aura of stuffiness around here and if you're only going to reward the major prizes to r-rated movies and not you know like comic book movies what's the incentive you know look at the three today we're we're talking about three rated r movies so that stat holds up certainly are and it probably will Uh, like i said to start this that's a great job by you mike we're going to analyze the three likely best picture winners the only three films that we think have a path to winning the best picture trophy at the end of the night Let's start with 1917, Michael, right? 1917 is going to win because the 73% crossover from the PGAs, Mike? Yeah, it's got the most important wins over any film in this category. It won Best Motion Picture at the PGAs. And not only that 73% stat, but the PGAs have also predicted 10 of the past 12 years correctly. The Best Film winner at the PGAs has gone on to win Best Picture at the Oscars. 1917 also has won Best Picture Drama at the Golden Globes. You know about that crossover number. And Mendy's has won Best Director at the Director Guild Awards, the DGAs, which has ended up awarding maybe not necessarily the Oscars Best Director winner, although there is a high crossover. We've been over that as well. But they've ended up rewarding the director of the eventual Oscars Best Picture winner 21 times since 1990, including five times this decade alone. So that is a very telling stat because the Globe stats aren't great. It's 62% both categories, 50% just the drama category. But the director's 
you know, translating to best picture right. winners uh, from the DGA, uh, that that influences me for sure. And there's more to its resume here and more more reasons why it'll win. It's got something massive going for it at this point in award season that is very important for right now. Okay. It's British. Hello, hello. <laughs> Despite the holes in its BAFTA's resume that... I'm going to cite when we get to why it won't win. Uh-huh. The history of the BAFTAs is littered with European-made films, and specifically British films, pushed towards best film wins over other favorites, presumably to increase its standing in the minds of Academy voters and increase its chances at winning Best Picture at the Oscars. Mike, I'm not going to lie. I added movies to my movie-watching list today going through the old BAFTA winners. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't like these stats, Mike. <laughs> uh, it's also true for even some... Pretty egregious decisions in hindsight. They aged poorly, but were kind of questionable at the time as oh, yeah. well. But the BAFTAs continued to do it. They're very, they do work in concert on this. This is not something that's only happened a few times throughout history. True. They have a, a consistent record of pushing the best British film towards its best film win in the hopes of making it a legitimate best picture threat. Naturally, naturally. And that some, makes sense. Yeah. And sometimes they've been right. You know, I mean, they they have, they nailed a bridge over the river quiet, beat out 12 angry men in 1958 and did so again at the Oscars. And they nailed the King's speech over the social network and more recently in 2011, Uh. which despite how we feel about it, the King's speech is the best picture winner. I agree with the bridge on the river quiet a little bit. I really like that movie, even though I love 12 angry men. I I can see both. I can see the arguments for both. What a year that was. I think I watched bridge over the river Kwai in a seventh grade when alec, i was not ready for it alec guinness good <laughs> god is he a great actor and i was like this is boring because i was what 12, 13 i didn't know cinema you, where's the uh, action i want to just get <laughs> yell at you your 12 year old self right now that's an excellent movie and sometimes the baftas have looked as foolish as i did when i was 12 years old judging <laughs> cinema they picked joe intertis i that's a french word that i can say over from here to eternity in 1954 from here to eternity basically swept the Oscars later yeah. on that month and they picked Atonement more recently over No Country for Old Men in 2008 and you're being generous because there's a lot there's more, more blemishes on that record there <laughs> but the fact is the BAFTA voting body couldn't be more in sync with doing this than if they were singing Bye 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 while casting their ballots right <laughs> I mean 1917 if you go based on its resume right now and based on the categories it lacks which I'm going to talk about in a minute here it shouldn't be in consideration. If you were to do a blind resume check, right. 1917 shouldn't really be a threat. But because it's British, and because of its legacy so far in awards season, it's not only a threat to win BAFTAs and a threat to win Best Picture, it's probably the betting favorite. That is not the argument I expected coming in today, but that's a great last-second preview for the BAFTAs. Uh, look, we talked about it with Eric. The entire Academy is voting on this thing, and what matters is how much support it's getting throughout the branches of this organization. 1917 is winning Best Director, most likely. It's winning Cinematography, most likely. It's probably, well, I don't know if it's probably winning one of the sound categories. Let's just say it's a major contender. Mm-hmm. Ford v. Ferrari could sweep there. Uh, it's a major contender in VFX, uh, yep. based on recent uh, people you know, uh, handicapping that one. It's a very strong contender in production design, even though Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's probably the favorite. And it's, you know, it's probably number two, and it has a puncher's chance in original score with Thomas Newman and his 15 nominations. It's also showed tremendous strength just getting nominations in original screenplay and makeup and hairstyling, which is easily the weirdest nomination yeah. 
if, at the Oscars this year. If it wins either of those, the night's over. You I don't get that early. nomination at all. So you add the PGA and the Globe drama wins to a, to this candidacy. You add that DGA crossover stat from Mendez to predicting the best picture. And this is a tremendously strong case for 1917. Agree. I mean, we've been over it and we've talked about it a lot. And it does obviously have the strongest resume going right now in award season. But we're talking about three movies for a reason because none of them are locks yet. So that means 1917 could lose. Mike, why is that? Well, stemming from the argument I just made, the largest branch of the Academy, the acting branch, and there's four awards Mm -hmm. being chosen there, they did not get a nomination in any of those four categories. 1917 also did not get nominated at the SAG Awards, either for Ensemble or or for their four awards there. So that's a major hole in its resume, Michael. You have a few more, again, focusing on BAFTA. It's got baffling holes in its resume, and especially considering it is a British film. Yeah. Here's the number of films that have won Best Film at the BAFTAs without a single nom in either editing, any of the acting categories, or either screenplay category. Ready? That's the list. It's never happened. It's never happened. Since the BAFTAs started mimicking the Oscars in actually presenting technical categories back in 1985, we've never had a movie do this. And prior to that 38th installment of the British Awards show, they only awarded the four acting categories, Best Picture, Director, Two Screenplays, and Foreign Film, save Mm -hmm. for one random year where they did award text in 1971, and then they went back to not awarding text for another 14 years. Strange. Coke? I'm guessing a lot of Coke was done. The 70s yeah, Coke? early 70s. You yeah. had to get rid of it from all the late 60s Coke. I see. You understand? Uh, <laughs> so no. <laughs> let's go even more narrow than that, talking about the BAFTAs. Prior to the previous year, the 37th BAFTAs, a year earlier, they didn't even have nominees or different screenplay categories. They just handed out one single screenplay award, and that uh-huh. was it. Uh, so take that in concert with that they didn't award acting categories until the 6th BAFTAs, and the supporting acting categories didn't come until the 22nd BAFTAs. If you take all of that aside, take the technicals out of it, take the limitations on the acting categories for what they are. The total number of movies to win Best Film at the BAFTAs without a nomination in any acting category or a screenplay win. Now, we're not even worried about the editing shutout that it took at the BAFTAs. Just a Best Film winner with no acting nominees and no screenplay wins. It's only happened four times. And it hasn't happened since 1975, where Lacombe Lucine beat out Chinatown and Murder on the Orient Express for Best film at the BAFTAs. Another case of a British film or European film being pushed above a likely contender there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, if you don't have awards caliber acting in your movie, and you don't have an awards caliber script, according to a lot of voting bodies with major Academy crossover, and you don't have an awards caliber flow of film, because there's being shut out of editing in both the BAFTAs and the Academy, is it possible to have the best movie of the year? Really? It's a good argument, and a lot of people have been making the lack of the editing nom at the Oscars a big thing Mm -hmm. because there's an exception with Birdman. There's not many other exceptions lately. Yeah, I mean, if you add no acting noms to that, it really goes back, and people have been using that stat. Now, it did save itself from statistical, you know, whirlpools and sinkholes. By getting that screenplay nomination, because yeah. then you really are, are a, yeah. going back to the you know the early 1900s to find a a, a win without uh, a screenplay nom and no acting noms and no editing noms, so that, I mean that's an argument to note. You have to, yeah, you absolutely have to. However, I do think this is kind of an exception movie because 
you know, I agree. it's a one taker and it's getting editing credit and VFX because a lot of the edits are visual effects, mm-hmm. literally. And it's getting credit in, in, in its screenplay in some areas, but it's also, you know, you're diverting that credit to the director because it's not a, a script that's drawing a lot of attention to itself. It's a simple script that has some really nice moments and some nice flares to it. But I agree with the Academy giving more of the credit to the director. Still, with, with all the composition awards, you want to see it at least nominated, and it's nominated for three out of the four. Editing on its home turf is baffling, but screen not getting screenplay at the BAFTAs, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that, that that sticks out like a red flag to me, even more so than the technicals. And Could the, be. Neither, all three of these movies are missing major things when it comes to technicals across these last two award shows, the yes. last precursor and the Academy Awards. That's why Ann Thompson says you almost got to go with your gut this year. Yeah, which I will. Don't worry, Ann. I got your back. <laughs> Mike, it's time. Yeah. Why will Once Upon a Time in Hollywood still win? Well, we're going to get a narrative-driven winner, right? That's for sure. Something Mm. is going to take over and be the de facto for these people casting their votes currently. Mm -hmm. And of the three favorites we're talking about with the best chance to actually win this award, somehow, Quentin Tarantino has made the least offensive movie of the three. Uh... From a narrative, that's true. I do because the Academy doesn't. The Academy not. doesn't like war movies as right. best picture, and but it's Parasite a peace movie. It's a war well, movie stopping okay. going for peace. Well, I think the guys getting their limbs blown off might have something to say about that. And but you, it could be sure a peace movie. Uh, it also might have the easiest narrative to reconcile with. It doesn't yeah. have to overcome any of these ridiculous Academy hurdles, like Mendez has already won his best picture award, or Bong hasn't paid enough dues in the Academy yet. The same asinine thinking that says Leo can't win his second one that I think is just stupid but they exist can I try a wrestling rant now sure (laughs) you ready brother (laughs) oh yeah it's a great movie about the Hollywood industry brother it's a great movie period brother it's the best movie it's my favorite movie can I go there with it? I should That's be playing Paul Hogan's theme song behind you. Man. Maybe I'll add that in in post. <laughs> I could really... I didn't have the voice talent to pull it off beyond those two sentences. I appreciate the effort. Three sentences, whatever it was, but I went for it. Mike, I wanted to do some stats for this, and I hoped they would cross over. This one barely crosses over. The Critics' Choice and Oscars Best Picture crossover is at 54.17%. It's better than 50%, though, so it counts. You're saying there's a chance. 13 out of 24. (laughs) I also do think, more seriously, because Mm -hmm. it is so inoffensive, because it is about Hollywood, it has a lot of these trademarks that the Academy loves, I think it's going to gain the a lot i can't say the most obvious because then it would win i think it's going to gain a lot from preferential balloting well i'm going to use this in my argument against it later because i i don't i don't agree there but you know if you're going to pick it to win if you have any chance to pick it to win it's got to well okay maybe we can reconcile on this then even if you don't think it's going to do well because of preferential balloting i think the biggest movie it'll be highest on where hollywood isn't the number one movie on those ballots Mm -hmm. is going to be the irishman ballots because there, there's a lot of similarities between this movie and The Irish. We got okay. the legacy American director. You have an A-plus ensemble playing it. You have this indulgent pick on behalf of the director. You have a legendary screenwriter providing the script. You have excessive violence in its plot. You have this retelling of American tragedies with heavily fictitious elements. Could be. If somebody's like just in for that movie this year and they just love living that movie, well, like we did. Yeah. 
they so, they could be there, but I I would guess 1917 is the Irishman's best. I don't best. understand why. Where's your argument for that? Because it's it it's just a clean, smooth composition. I, it's the cleanest of the compositions, in my opinion. And Scorsese's known for that in, in the middle of his movie. You you make that a miniseries, but one and is, that thing just it's it's like butter. One is so character driven, mm-hmm. and one is a war movie. <laughs> Like, I mean, one one is so specifically back and forth in time. I think people voting for these things, do they have a type, are you saying, you know, in in, in that regard? Well, I mean, that's that's the biggest caveat. We have no idea. Because our top fives, we have, like, this movie, then that movie, then this other movie. Like, we have a variety. I wonder if people just go, I like these, this type of movie, and this is the best version, this is the second best version. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't think they go that way. If it does gain the most from The Irishman, though, and if the Irishman does finish fourth, that could be the push to get over the edge of this magic number once the Irishman's votes are redistributed. Huh. So, because the Irishman votes obviously would have the most impact that's on the awards. So interesting, yeah. That's my little conspiracy theory, but I, I do think, I think there's enough, and I've said this all year long and it goes in line with this, I think there's enough voters out there who are going to have this movie in their top three. And at some point, everything except these three movies are going to get redistributed, we think, before the winner's chosen. It's possible. It's possible. I I do think the acting branch helps Hollywood. I do think the screenwriting and direct, directing branches rank it very highly because I do think Tarantino's got a lot of admirers and a lot of friends in the directing branch. I do think the screenwriters still love him, even though the WGA is not a part of his life. If, he doesn't, if they don't win, if this doesn't win a general screenplay... Doesn't it's, matter. Yeah, right. Yeah. The design categories rank Once Upon a Time in Hollywood very highly. Sound is high on it. And it got those nominations. It's, those are shows of strength. And he was sneaky, too. I mean, he took a, a veteran like Robert Richardson for the cinematography. You know, yeah. he took guys up and uh, guys and girls up and down all these technical categories. Now, I don't know how many documentary branch people vote for Best Picture or not. I can't imagine a one of them <laughs> voting for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The animation category. I can't imagine a one of them. Oh, They're voting You're speaking like the documentary branch is something that we have any idea and, is ever going to do. But And the international <laughs> branch is going for Parasite, of course. So if you're counting branches, I, I think 1917 is going to have more branches with full support towards you know that for that movie than Hollywood's going to get. That being said, Hollywood's going to have a lot of support throughout the branches, and the acting branch could bump it up a little bit because it has major nominees there. The documentary branch is going to ensure that Joker <laughs> ends up with the best picture win, and Jonathan Price somehow. <laughs> it might be, and maybe BAFTA has something to say in that regard with Joker. I mean, that's an intriguing question uh, still with as many uh, uh, nominations as it got there. So I wonder if BAFTA in this truncated award season could give Hollywood or Joker or something a final boost, a final reason for people to just say, all right, enough with the consensus building. I'm not going to be a lemming, except I am going to be a lemming and vote for was just voted on because I'm a lemming. No, because I think this happens all the time. Consensus building happens all the time. And we have a, we have a shortened award season. The, the movie of the final moment might make a difference. I don't know. Why well, you could underscore that by how these movies have been on social media. I mean, if you follow mm-hmm. these accounts like we do, 
they've been just pushing every. I mean, they think once upon a time in Hollywood, specifically on their Instagram page yesterday, yeah. they dropped four ad pictures within ten minutes of each other. Wow! I mean, they know the voting is open, and they're everyone just flooding it. Look, I think uh, once upon a time in Hollywood is probably you know second ranked in terms of my power rankings for BAFTA's best picture. We'll see what happens. Nineteen seventeen, I'd still give the edge. It's, yeah, it's I, the yeah, favorite. I, I would say once upon a time in Hollywood's right there. Yeah. Have we pivoted yet? I can't remember. I'm starting to. All right. (laughs) So why is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood going to lose, even though you sounded like you already made the case? Because even if it could win... BAFTA, right? Yep. And if wins BAFTA's best, best film, the crossover stat is awful. It's 28 out of 73. You mentioned some of those wacky, you know, d- d- differentiations. I can't think of a great word there, but 38% bad. And I think I could rationalize the argument of the late breaker or the, the last second, you know, boost that it could influence people with the faster time frame. But still, the crossover stat is terrible. If you even go back further, the Globe crossover stat from comedy or musical, that is only a 16% crossover, 9 out of 56. These are tough stats to get over. It's why studios refuse to put comedies or musicals in that category. I get it now. I'll stop ridiculing you. I'm done. Well, I'm going to counterpoint you here. I would like to know how many of those BAFTAs uh, wins in that crossover stat was a film going against overcoming a British film in the BAFTAs at the end because that's the storyline here. If once a, if an American film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, has enough support in the BAFTAs voting body where they can beat out a British film in 1917, I think right. that is the biggest indicator of there could be a problem with 1917 securing its win. Maybe if it's not even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, maybe it's Parasite. So you're saying 1917 has more to lose than the game. Maybe. I think 19, of these three films, somehow 1917 needs the BAFTAs most. Oh, wow. Because I think that I think 1917 has the potential to be hurt most by not winning yeah. than the other two do, right? I mean, doesn't that kind of make sense? That does make sense to me, based on these arguments and based on the, the stats. The stats, they they sometimes they lie, but it, it, they lie less than they tell the truth. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> I'm just saying. That was I'm deep. just saying because I have to say. It, Stats tell the truth. I will swallow my pride and make some arguments as to why Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will lose, though. Uh, right, right, And the right. biggest argument is that... Well, they sometimes lie. I did say that. You did. You've mentioned that. Yeah. That, I, I think I gave you praise. <laughs> this was a stat brought up by Daniel Brilliant. I give him all the credit. He's a critic at In Session Film, Award Circuit, and on the Gavritz podcast. Uh, he brought this to our attention. I kind of poo-pooed it because I'm a jackass. <laughs> but now you're using it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood needs to make its own history to win Best Picture if it doesn't win the BAFTAs. Wow. Because assuming either Parasite or 1917 win the BAFTAs, no Best Picture winner has won the biggest prize on Oscar Sunday without winning the WGA, DGA, PGA, or SAG Ensemble Award. That's a problem. Now, there's a giant caveat there. Okay. If this film was in the WGA... It's probably winning that award. Probably, right, based right on now, probably Exactly. Yeah. At least the history would say so. And so if Tarantino were a part of the WGA, which he's not, and that's the only reason it's not eligible to WGAs. But I'm not going to say this 
doesn't have the easiest Oscar puzzles equation of these three films to keep itself out of Best Picture because we could have this collective narrative of the Academy voting saying, well, we want to honor all three of these films and make them look strongest because these are the three films of the year. So let's give Mendes... In 1917, picture and director. Let's give Bong Joon-ho international feature in editing. And since 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood aren't nominated in editing anyway, it'll be okay. And then we can give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood original screenplay, and it's going to get its supporting actor win as well. And then we can let the production design and all the uh, hair and makeup and all those categories figure themselves out. But everyone will leave, each of these three leave, with two big awards. But 1917 ends as the big winner of the night. I don't know if you said... Parasite was getting original screenplay as well there, but I don't think you meant it, right? No, I, I meant Hollywood gets original Hollywood screenplay gets and supporting original. actor. Yeah, yeah, that makes some sense. Yeah. If I misspoke, I, sp- I apologize. So I, I wonder about the preferential balloting. I wonder about the level of violence in the movie. I wonder about the Bruce Lee controversy. He's got a lot of friends yeah, in Hollywood. I wonder if Tarantino still rubs audiences the wrong way. He is a provocateur. He, he does love feet a lot. If he doesn't win for this one. I mean, the next one's just going to be all feet, all violence, just (laughs) overboard. (laughs) So I would be surprised at this moment if it gets the most preferential ballots. But I do think BAFTA might tell me something. It might tell me that this movie is getting a lot of number one picks, or at least number one, two picks, that it's undeniable as a top film of the year. And I, 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 although I'm skeptical that that it's going to win, I'm going to have something to say at the end where I'm still kind of hopeful. Yeah, you just mentioned BAFTAs as far as why once we'll lose, and that also kind of bleeds into why the reason I have Parasite will win Best Picture, so I guess we could start that here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hate pounding this BAFTAs drum over and over again, but Parasite, like... For some reason, it feels like the number three movie. Like, it feels like the movie nobody's really giving a chance to win BAFTA. You could say whether it's a Korean movie, it's a British voting body. Who knows what the reasoning is? But if Parasite breaks through at BAFTA... Yeah. We have a whole new ballgame. It is. It really is a whole new ballgame if, if Parasite can win. However, however, Roma won last year. Now, that confused the hell out of me last year, too, because I thought the same thing. But it just feels different this year, I think. It, well, it's yeah. going against the British, the British favorite film. film. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is, I think. I think Even it, though the favorite was in there last year, and we thought that would win, but right. it didn't. It did, yeah, it's true. So, but the favorite wasn't the favorite going in. It wasn't the no-you yeah. favorite going into the best picture field. I've At some that. point, we're know. going to lose sight in the ability to speak, and that'll just be it for this <laughs> podcast, because we're going to be sick of reciting all these stats and words. But Parasite obviously has momentum. Yeah. And it obviously has a lot of fans. And it obviously has a lot of fans in a lot of important branches. It can win. Uh, and if it pulls out the WGA or if it pulls out BAFTA, I think it's going to be just yet another strong mark on its resume to go forward and make this best picture case that it has a chance to do what no international film has done ever and actually win best picture. Bong Joon-ho could still win either... Uh, best director or original screenplay, let's say as well, because it's probably a one in ten chance for best mm-hmm. director. I mean, we've talked about that c- crossover stat. Mendes is probably going to win. Don't yeah, get me wrong. That category's flipped. It, it's still though. No, no, it's, I, it's I hear not. You, yeah. It's not a ten out of no. ten. It's not a a guaranteed lock, even though it's probably most people are predicting. A no, lock. I was just I, making the point that Bong at one point was the favorite there, yeah. and he was one yeah. at one point the favorite there. And if this wave of momentum keeps sweeping, you never know. A parasite might do very well. It might win like four awards on the night. I mean, I'm just saying again, might. 
obviously the original screenplay Oscar is very much in play, mm-hmm. and you're going to hear whether or not that happens tonight because we're putting this out on Saturday. I do think that SAG Ensemble win is interesting, Mike, because I wonder if it's kind of the resurgence, right? Because the, what's, what's the most buzzed about movie of the year? It's been Parasite. Sure. It's been the movie that was sold out in New York and L.A. It's been the movie yep. that people, you know, were going nuts about at, at all the film festivals. It played in almost every film festival, and you heard buzz from Cannes all the way through. It's now the movie that's getting standing ovations at every award show. It is the most buzzed about film of the year. It is the movie of the moment still after a year of moments. That says something. It does. It does. It certainly has the momentum that could ride on, and it does have its big precursor win, so it fits in nicely as a talking point and, like, just statistically about it having a chance to win Best Picture. Still, for me, Mm -hmm. it would take a leap of faith, and it's the same argument I've had. It makes more sense in my brain that Parasite's legacy for this year is going to be putting a lot of cracks into that glass ceiling about what an international film can do, right. having its big night at the SAG Awards, being the film of the moment, being the one that's so celebrated every award show, but the one that doesn't finish breaking through, specifically because of the preferential balloting, which still has enough people that think Green Book is worthy of winning Best Picture. And it's the same reason I've cited for months. I just don't think that Academy with that section of voters who are still big enough to impact last year's Best Picture race are ready to embrace the international feature less than 52 weeks later. And as Weber said, like best editing, if, it, if that Ace Eddie translates, and international film, that's still a really good night yes. for them. The the big box office from for, for Neon, from Parasite, is, is making a lot of people over there happy. Bong Joon-ho can write whatever his ticket, whatever he wants to do next. I, let's be honest, though. If, if I'm going with film Twitter, the bong hive is deafening, and there's so many bandwagon jumpers out there. And I, I don't mean that as a derogatory term. I'm kind of one of them. Mm. If I'm going with my gut, like Eric has said throughout this award season, this is probably the gut pick for me. And I'll kind of, you know, I'll, I'll lay out my anatomy at the end of the episode. <laughs> We're almost there. Oh, God. But until we get there, we got to we gotta do the, this other half of the argument, Mike. Why will Parasite lose? It's the same argument I've had. I just kind of gave it away. I, I just think the Academy has numbers against it. I've pounded the table about this for months already. I don't see it happening. I just don't. I know I don't like the film. That doesn't really have anything to do with what I'm saying. I don't see the Academy embracing it. Well, all it's biggest precursor win only has an 11 out of 24 crossover stat. The SAG Ensemble win is only translated to Best Pictures 45% of the time. That's not great. No, no, that's below 50%, obviously. <laughs> yeah. That's that's not a good you know correlation. We knew that talking about the SAGs and the, out, the fallout of the SAGs. Look, it goes back to one of those things where stats can say anything you want, right? If you look at just the general crossover between a SAG winner and what happens at Best Picture, no, it's not that good, but you just cited it as having a SAG win being a big moment. And I just cited the SAG win as being a reason it could be taken seriously in Best Picture. I, I tend to think the SAGs are going to be its highlight. That's just where I say it's going to win international feature. Oh, if Kang Ho Song just got that nomination at the end of the day, that might have been that might have been something where it was just it would have been unavoidable. It's winning, and maybe that maybe. buzz yeah. would have taken it over the top. All right, I have three reasons, three primary reasons. Number one, 
the Oscar puzzle theory, and it still has Parasite winning something. It is winning international film. It is probably the favorite for best editing, yes. but it's winning international film. So Bong Joon-ho will be giving an acceptance speech. You can give him a standing O at the award show. That is happening. I mean, you have to bet house to win. Not even house. House payment. Hubcap. Right. Yeah. You have to bet house to win house payment at yeah. this point. It's, you can't even win car if you bet house. <laughs> We're going to go into it with uh, the gambling episodes coming up. But uh, my number two reason is the film Twitter pick has not won since we started this thing, Mike. Yeah. We started this thing two years ago. Remember the night before Buzz of Get Out is going to win. Everybody's hearing Get Out should win. Should have won. It, sh- it could win. It's, it didn't win. Black Panther, the year later. We were hearing that late-breaking buzz after the SAG Ensemble win yeah. came through. This is the one that is It's gonna—it's just that movie of the moment. Unfortunately, Ryan McQuaid, our friend, our buddy, our new pal, the movie of the moment hasn't won yet for us. It hasn't won yet since we started our podcast. Now, they've been doing their podcast, and congratulations to In Session Film. Seven years, Michael. Yeah. Just saw that tweet, and I was like, wow. I mean, my awesome. jaw drops. In Session Film, must-listen podcast. Great what they do. They're awesome. Uh, we were on uh, Chasing the Gold, and, and we were floored by that argument. That was impressive. That was mm. Ciceroic. Cicero? Anyway. Mike, that we... That Al Pacino character? I, it should be. It's probably. <laughs> think about it. Who am I thinking of? It's, it, he's played Cicero. Who's the detective? <laughs> Prero. No, 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 no. The, uh, the detective he played. What's that movie? That Charlie Day played in, one, in Philadelphia to the mayor. Sicka. You asked me about Al Pacino. Wait. And then you just said, who did Charlie Day play? But it's the... It's in an episode Al Pacino. of Always Sunny. Serpico. All right. Serpico. Serpico. So you went through, you went seven degrees of MMOs. <laughs> yeah. Just to get to. Serpico. <laughs> which you thought is funny in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan McQuaid's great at podcasting, so is in, in session film. But unfortunately, since we started this thing, the compromise candidate wins instead of the film Twitter pick. Yeah. And the, that's true. happened the last two years. So that's where my head is at. My head is saying 1917. My gut is saying Parasite. My heart, Michael, my heart speaks for Hollywood. But I, I don't see preferential balloting going towards Parasite as much as some other folks do because of your arguments that you've been making in my head all year. I don't see preferential balloting going necessarily towards Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as much as I see it going towards 1917 because of white people. <laughs> all right? That's where I'm at right now. And it's a, I don't know if my prediction is going to change when we do the prediction episode, but I'm kind of with Eric on that. I think 1917 is probably winning this thing. We have a little time before I have to do our final predictions, but that's going to tell you at least what we uh, where we're landing on here for these three films. Let's just power rank them and do Perfecting Perfection to end this, Michael. And again, not necessarily what we think will happen on Academy Sunday, not even necessarily what we think should happen as far as the year goes. These are just our preferential balloting ourselves of these three best picture candidates. We're just going to rank the top three, three, two, one. I have an easy number three, and I'll go first. (laughs) Parasite has a ridiculous ending. I haven't been able to get over it. Everybody's wrong. I don't like this argument anymore. I'm going to lose my voice over it. It's easily my number three. 
Uh, look, I honestly have 1917 on my rankings number three here uh, in terms of these these few movies. So, again, I won't argue with you, but it is 1917, <laughs> even though you are a blowhard. 1917 <laughs> is my number two. Shock of shocks. <laughs> Parasite's my number two. Because even though we argue about Parasite, and it's usually in the context of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I have watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood six times. I've seen Parasite four times. I like... Once upon a time in Hollywood, much more. I just do. That's my taste in movies. It's a credit to you too, because we've been going at this for yeah. months, and you've sat, you've had to defend Parasite, even though you like Once Upon I, a Time in Hollywood. More. I love Once Upon a yeah. Time in Hollywood. I give it an A, man. Yeah. What more do you want from me? I'm going to ruin Killers of the Flower Moon for you. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm to going hate to just that movie. ruin it. I'm gonna have to hate it. That's when the worm turns in this. <laughs> critic's body when he just gets jaded and cynical and just has to argue with his co-host can't like it all right we thank you for listening we thank eric weber for being on mike tell the nice people where they can find eric's work he's at eric weber that's e-r-i-c-k-w-e-b-e-r on twitter eric weber on instagram look make sure you're reading awardsace.com like we said at the top of the show love this website super accessible easy to clip around click around great experience go there make it one of your go-to websites for award season he's knowledgeable uh, on everything movie industry follow this man he's a great follow yeah he is the man we cannot thank him enough for spending the part of his time with us and uh, thank all our guests that have joined us for this format for the category reviews it's been a load of fun talking to each and every one of you obviously eric uh, goes for this episode without saying he mm-hmm. was awesome. He's so easy to talk to, and he's been super nice to Definitely. us as, as long as we've known him. So our great thanks to him. We want to hear from you, dear listeners of MMO World. If you have any comments, questions, concerns about anything Eric said, anything we said in the second half of this episode, or anything we covered here in the MMO universe, you can leave us those comments, questions, and those categories for the Mike, Mike, and Oscars Please. award show. Those started rolling in today uh, big time, but they have been rolling in kind of steadily the last few days. Don't be left out in the cold. Leave us those. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on the Twitter machine, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And if you happen to use an iPhone or Apple Podcasts, if you could type in Mike, Mike and Oscar into the search, tap on our logo, scroll down once and leave us a five-star review. That would certainly help us out, Michael. So very, very much. Words of wisdom and tell them what's coming next, Oscars uh, Week. Become an Eric Weber fan. Yes. Become a fan of Awards Ace. That's the obvious words of wisdom today. What's coming up next? We have those Mike, Mike, and Oscars after the BAFTA episode that we're going to do to kick off next week. And then I think we got the Gambling Predictions episode. We got another special guest coming for a final preview. Mm-hmm. And then we have a final, final preview because we're going to do a, a morning of or, you know, the night after the Indie Spirits. So Hopefully brief. We don't know <laughs> how next week is going to go. You are not allowed to get sick. You have yeah. to sleep in a hyperbaric no chamber. Kidding. But we got five big episodes planned. We're really excited about it. And I'm really excited about this, uh, this Oscar night. This is going to be fun. That's going to be something. We're not going to be able to sleep for at least another week. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies, these award shows, and analyze these categories with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Thank you, Eric, once more. We will see you all very soon. See you.